despite the formal roles, let's say you have the email marketing specialist, you have the social media guy, you have the whatever, there are some, uh, some other roles which must be covered. So you, the, according to this framework, there are the, the, the Belbin team of uh, participants are uh, nine different roles. So you have the resource uh, investigator, which is uh, finding ideas, right? So he hunts for ideas, he's outgoing, he's enthusiast, and he's always coming up with ideas. Then you have the, the, the team worker, the, the one which is uh, gluing the team together. You, you know, he's, he's making everyone, okay, let's, let's go through, through, through this direction. Then you have a coordinator in roles, and by the way, every person, so he, a person can ha hold up to three to four roles out of these nine, but you need, in order to have a, a team which is working, you need all these nine roles. Then you have the coordinator, which is the one focusing on the objectives and draws everyone uh, to, to uh, and he actually delegates and allocates uh, 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 responsibilities. Then you have someone with, uh, as a role th that uh, is the plant, so the one that is uh, coming up with creativity and solving problems in uh, unconventional ways. So the, the ones which are, uh, are this particular role is also uh, uh, important because he's feeding the team with uh, new ways to, to, to fix problems. Then you have the monitor evaluator, which is providing the logical eye. So he's the one which has the, let's say, the, the, he's the cold-blooded, which is looking at where we are, where we should be, and uh, he has this uh, dispassionate way to, to, to judge what's, uh, what's going on. Welcome to the e-commerce growth stories podcast. If you worry about your growth, if the business model isn't working anymore, if you're running out of ways to optimize your e-commerce, or if you're looking to get the e-commerce fundamentals right, then that's the show for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of e-commerce growth uh, stories. I'm here with Dennis Yu, which is uh, connecting from India. Namaste, India. Dennis. Yeah, the Taj Mahal. Wow, fantastic. All right, so uh, the, today's topic is uh, about how an e-commerce manager, e-commerce owner should be uh, crafting his or her team. What kind of roles, what kind of KPIs, how, how should he or she uh, decide over which are the best uh, roles to, to fill in according to how big or small is the, uh, is the company. So Dennis, uh, before we get it started, uh, what's, your, uh, what's your golden nugget uh, about, uh, not about the exact roles, but about how to choose the right people first? In choosing people, I see there's a sliding scale of flexibility. So the lowest level is you can hire freelancers. And this is coming on Fiverr, on Upwork, on any of the sort of job sites. Then you move into having full-time people, but they're remote. So it could be from onlinejobs.ph, it could be your own virtual assistant. So I'm here in India right now. I was in Pakistan two weeks ago. We're hiring a bunch of these people, $500 a month, full-time that are through our training. Next level up is the team that you actually have on staff that, that is like in your office or that is not remote, that is not a virtual assistant. And then the last level is partner with an agency, which is even more expensive. So every one of these is adding another layer. And what I'd like to look at is, is the skill of your team should be based on the ROI that you're able to generate. The more margin you're able to generate, the more you're able to put back to reinvest in the company, and especially in labor, especially in advertising. So I see the shifting, not just from freelance all the way up to systems and processes, but up but having more and more of it go into advertising, which is how you're able to scale. Yeah. Uh, I think an, uh, an important aspect uh, over here is to, uh, to, to focus a bit on, on the fact that depending on the purpose and on the vision that you try to achieve, 
you, you can build like the traditional uh, org chart with uh, full-time employees and job descriptions or whatever, or you can stay flexible exactly like you've said. You can go on Upwork, you can, uh, let's say, uh, give and allocate all sorts of uh, responsibilities. Uh, now, now, if we look uh, uh, towards the, the main roles that you should be surrounding yourself with as an, uh, let, let's focus on, for, for first, let's focus on an uh, e-commerce company, which is like a startup, let's say you have a direct-to-consumer, you're, uh, you, you're a founder, and what are the first roles that you should be looking to, to, to fill in from, uh, from your perspective, Dennis? I like to look at four different roles, especially for DTC, e-commerce. Now, this is outside of operations or fulfillment or customer service. But the first one we like to look at is analytics. Analytics, if you don't have the proper analytics, you don't have the proper measurement, you don't have the proper data, it kind of doesn't matter outside of what you have up there. And that usually is going to be the founder because the founder is the most ROI focus is the most accountable as opposed to, you know, someone in a role where they basically spend spending money. So analytics, like if you're, uh, there's, I see roles as like up, uh, the first stage up to $10,000 a month and in gross up to $100,000 a month and then a million dollars a month above that. So if, if you are only $10,000 a month, then you own that initial role of that analytics. Then, as you start to have enough revenue that you can hire someone else part-time or hire that second person, I'd like to look at advertising. And advertising goes hand-in-hand -hand with analytics because you're able to see what your CAC is, everything we teach about LTV, but you're able to get more out of what's all yeah. your team. So advertising, mm -hmm. we see that second role that, that follows analytics. Third is content. And content can be, like we said, you, you start out with a freelancer who's doing some stuff on Fiverr Upwork all the way up to putting a whole team around that. And the last right. part is, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 what's the, what's the fourth one? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> the last one is finance. And finance is the, the systems to be able to measure the money, the systems to operationally collect more content, which then feeds back into the systems so you have more analytics and so you have more content that you're able to produce. This often is an extension of, of operations where you have customer care, customer service, but as part of that, in order to grow, you're, you're collecting, you're actually enabling the operational people to collect video or finding ways to do like inserts or building systems to be able to do marketing automation. Maybe you build a course, maybe you're there at events, maybe you do things that are, that are deeper investments into building your brand. And a lot of people will look at it another way that I think is they, they start the, initially start the bottom of the funnel. So if you're under $100,000 a month, then of course everything has to result in breath. You know, do Super Bowl ads. So that's where the analytics and the ads are at the first layer. But once you move to the next layer, you can actually afford to invest in emails, afford in building custom relationships, doing webinars, using like mid-funnel, you know, it's like text messaging or campaigns where you're able to collect more customer data, but maybe it's not immediately monetized, it still leads towards some kind of sales. And then the, the top level, you're, you know, bottom of the funnel, middle of the funnel, is, is uh, the, the last part is the top of the funnel, where you're able to invest in brand campaigns. And that's where you might do like a Harmon Brothers style video. You might invest in larger systems. You might have a team. You might have agencies. You might have PR. Maybe you're investing in personal brand. Often there's a founder story. So you want to be able to tell that story in speaking or getting them verified on social media, like articles about it. But that can only happen usually, say, a million dollars a month because already you already have the core engine where you have conversions. You know how to extend that by increasing the lifetime value by collecting more information from these users and being able to measure some basic journey. And then when you've done that at the very top level, you have more people that are helping you with your brand, your systems, 
going across other channels, you know, going into TikTok or having mm-hmm. events or partnerships or affiliates. We, we see that last part, just an extension of something that's all where the customer journey is already validated through at least one channel. The amazing thing is, mm-hmm. in the last 20 years, I've seen so many e-com businesses go to one or two million dollars a year in sales off of just one channel. So there's one yeah. guy, I remember his thing is just think on sports. So just that particular vitamin. And his thing is SEO. He's so good at SEO. Like what is St. John's work? Is it healthy? What you know, all these things related to this particular vitamin. So he he scaled just off of SEO up until one million dollars and then past one million. I see a lot of these people. Our our friend Seeds of Life, you know, they're a client. They scaled primarily off of PPC. But they didn't have email marketing, they didn't have social media, they didn't have advertising or other kinds of advertising besides PPC. So, you know, bottom funnel, which is just getting by. Middle of funnel, usually you just have $3 a year where you have just one channel. It's amazing. Like, you can have everything broken. But if, but if you can just get one channel to work, I've seen a lot of people make it to a million dollars, maybe even $5 million. But if you want to go beyond that, then you have to get into multiple channels. Yeah, I think it's important to have more members because very rarely are you do one channel. They are are multiple channels. The minute you can do multiple channels, the team members can do that. Then it's like, well, why would they work for you? They're going to start their own business. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's pretty interesting because when I've started my own e-commerce, we were focusing solely on SEO. Back in the days, 2006, we were, let's say, completely obsessed about rankings because the demand was starting to pick up on what we were selling. And once we got to, to master that, we, we expanded ourselves into PPC and social media. But those were nice to have. And I think uh, form follows function. So I think it's also important if you, uh, be, because the, the org chart that you're building, so the people that you're getting are heavily... Uh, they, they, they must be uh, close to your strategy. So basically, you first need the vision, and then you, you come up with the strategy, and then with the execution. So the roles that you will surround yourself with are, are, are let's say, coming after you have the strategy. And uh, another important uh, aspect that I, I would be touching in, uh, in how you create your, uh, if you want to create the most fantastic e-commerce company, let's say, you need to understand that there are these three pillars. You need uh, sales and marketing, you need operations, and you need the admin, right? Everything related to uh, finance, HR, and whatever. At the beginning, as a solo founder, you, if you are a solo founder, that's very hard for, to, to start with, but uh, you, you need to get, ourself, uh, uh, to, to, to get yourself out of the thinking that you, uh, if you are a good developer, let's say, you will end up uh, tweaking the website and not making the demand happen. If you are coming from sourcing, let's say, you know, things with the products, you will end up not taking care about the website. So basically, you need to talk yourself out of your own job, let's say, to, to do it to a bare minimum, let's say, and then to have to, to sort out the other pillars. And if you don't have the skills, let's say, to, to, to do operations, you need a, uh, either a partner, either someone that could handle the, the fulfillment and sourcing of the products and uh, everything related to operations, and you will be focusing on uh, sales and marketing. Now, we are, of course, Dennis, you and I, we are heavily biased towards uh, sales and marketing because the other things like uh, uh, admin work and uh, whatever, even though we run our own companies, it's clear that uh, if we're here, we, we are more attracted uh, naturally towards sales and marketing, uh, the sales and marketing pillars, but they all must work together. However, at the beginning, I think the most important is to, to capture the demand or to create demand. So sales and marketing, it's, uh, uh, it's vital. So you don't have to mess around with, uh, I don't know, uh, processes and systems and uh, too much admin work because without demand you don't have money and without if you don't have money you don't have a cash flow and an, uh, the oxygen to actually survive as a uh, as a company now 
if uh, let's let's go a bit uh, further after that what kind of roles the, do do we need in into the growth team let's say we are uh, a seven figure company so we pass the 100,000 uh, uh, dollars a month uh, uh, what kind of roles do we need uh, do we need over there and not not particular uh, like job descriptions but which are the 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 let's say the forces you know the the aspects that should be should be covered except the ones that you 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 covered like uh, you need the uh, analytics uh, you need the, uh, because this is the, the the basic of growth right without the, the correct measurement how you verify that if you do something that's going to happen and it's going to be a good thing yeah, yeah. one of my clients they grew from they grew six million, million like six years ago. They grew from six million to sixty million a year, and they're very high margin related to gun stuff, and, and the product is low cost relatively. And their marketing team is fifty people full time, and I fly out and visit them. And what the way they structure is what I see a lot of, especially e-commerce store performance related companies doing, which is building a lot of these shaped marketers. So you have people that in marketing that are traditionally like PPC, SEO, website building, operations, you know, the, the kind of functions that you would typically see, which initially is built by one person, but later can have a whole team, like a whole SEO team, a whole PPC team, a whole content team, a whole video team. But the thing is that we got stuck at one point three years ago where we weren't, we, we had these silos. And you'll find this too once you get above maybe like 10 million, where you you have people that are really good at this one thing, like they, they create content that ranks for Google on SEO because that's how they started, but they're not able to make the transition into social media. So maybe they hire these people, they hire an agency, right? Because they're, they're big enough now to hire an agency to do social media. But then the social media agency is doing something different than the internal team. And there's a separate team that does video. Usually it's the internal videographer, but maybe it becomes an external one. So both don't coordinate. And I've seen this happen in so many companies above $10 million where you have a multi-agency, multi-consultant, or multiple internal roles. And these teams don't connect with each other, they argue. So the team that's in charge of the website will argue with the team that does SEO or the team that does PR or the team that does these other things. So to be able to break past that, if you were saying seven figures and above, you have to have these people that are called T-shaped marketers. So a T-shaped yeah. marketer, right? So the, the, the straight line and the T, the vertical line is their expertise. Their main expertise is PPC. Their main expertise is, you know, WordPress or SEO or whatever it is. But then the T cuts across. So if you have, let's say, three people in, in five different functions, you have 15 people, the leader of each of those teams has to be a T-shaped marketer. So they can coordinate across. They know enough about what the other functions do that they can coordinate across and thus like what this especially happens once you go above 10 people right if, yeah. whether it's in sales marketing or any organization when you get above 10 people you need to have you like one person can't manage all of them right so that means you need a manager layer of of people that coordinate that manage their team so if you're the leader you're the owner you have to have a mid-level management team of managers and each of these managers might have three people right so if you have five managers and each have three people then you have a team of 15 people right or maybe it's three managers or five people each. whatever the thing is that the key once you have a certain amount of organizational scale enough people you have to really, really depend upon that individual manager level. Just when the team is just you and four or five people, you can manage everyone directly. And there's a guy, Ronald Post, who won a Nobel Prize, and it's called the Theory of the Firm. Google it. Actually, went to the school. I went to the London School of Economics, which said, "How many people do you need in a company for it to be able to scale successfully?" Or as you grow from the initial team that's just you getting up to ten thousand dollars a month then you hire some freelancers or maybe a couple solo people to hundred thousand dollars a month and then you start to hire teams at a million dollars a month there's a i see the biggest issue 
is an organizational challenge of just learning to put management in place. So that you, the, you, know, you hear people talk about working on your business instead of in your business. And the way you do that if you're heavy on sales and marketing is you have to put in place these T-shaped managers. So that way yeah. you have three people that report to you that are T-shaped managers, and then they have people that are in charge of their function. And yeah. what I saw with another client, which I'm not allowed to say exactly what their data is, but they were organ initially they were organized by the, the the traditional function. I said like PPC, SEO, content. But then I said, wait, you guys have a broad enough product mix. There's so much overlap between what you're doing, but you're sending out the same message. You're not organizing around the customer. So then, at my recommendation, I had them reorganize the marketing people to organize by the particular type of consumer. So that that's shifting from people to just use one tool or just in one. Because you know, if you do SEO, then there's certain functions and tools that you're used to. You do PPC, you do social media. There's tools that you're used to, but then you don't. Understood. You're so used to using this one tool, or you're just, you just work on the website, all the website related things. You don't really understand all the different types of journey. So there's a different message for it, or a different tone for the students, for the moms, for the man who wants to protect his family, who really believes in you know military, or that like there's these different personas, and you really get into those personas and be able to therefore increase the conversion rate, increase the be able to make sure there's there's tighter fit between those particular products and that consumer. If you have a broad mix, you need to start to organize around those different consumer journeys instead of just by the initial silo. So above 10 million, you'll see a lot of companies will will often flip and organize by the consumer so they can get tighter. So they have a leader of that particular persona. And that's when you, that's when you go from people to 50 people to you know, hundreds of people. My friend Eric Ludwig, he ran marketing for Rosetta arguably one of the biggest companies ever. So instead of relying just upon channel or retailers for distribution, they were actually selling direct. And we had a huge team, and we were organizing those teams around. You know, we had a government segment, we had a direct-to-consumer segment that was organized by the different languages, that kind of thing. But that, that's what happened with about 100 people. But then you have, you have P&L leaders, and P&L leaders are by customer segment, right? When you can move from silo to customer, because you hear all these people talk about being customer-focused, but what, what does that exactly mean? Yeah. It means having T-shaped leaders of your silos to allow you to then flip so that these folks who are in charge of a segment, the Hispanic segment, the urban segment, the student segment, you know, the retired military segment, whatever it might be, then each of those segments has a PL. Meaning they have revenue, they have cost, so they embody the functions. Each of the the, the consumer tiers uh, the, the customer tiers then has has to have people who, who, who carry each of the particular functions. T-shaped marketers are the only way to make that transition from people that just do one thing really well to either A, having larger teams or being able to pivot into being customer focused. That, uh, that's, uh, I, I see this as a let's say revolutionary uh, way to, 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 to build a team. Because if you migrate from product managers to let's say segment manager, customer segments manager, you will end up learning way much more about your own business than you, you should. So I, I think this is an, uh, uh, an a fantastic insight, Dennis, because you, as you've said, let's say you have the clusters of uh, uh, retired uh, people looking for uh, uh, buying the products from your website because of the fact they, they want uh, more uh, flexibility or because the immunity or whatever. And then you, 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 having someone which is the specialist for that particular category and having that uh, T-shaped marketer will empower the whole organization to leverage that customer segment and to find out new markets, new ways to advertise to those, new angles, new email sequences, new ads, and and uh, and so on. 
However, I think we're uh, talking with you this, uh, through, through this episode, it's clear that we are, we're not in the infancy stage in e-commerce, but uh, I think we've just passed the elementary school and th those are things that should uh, become the norm in the, uh, in the next few years for companies that are really uh, willing to thrive. And you can't consider yourself a customer-centric company if all you are doing is tweak products and ship products from uh, uh, A to B. Now, uh, I wanted to, to share something uh, with our audience uh, about the, the Belbin team of participants. It's, uh, it's a methodology that I, uh, I do appreciate. I stumbled uh, upon it and uh, it, it made so much sense because uh, in, in each team, despite the formal roles, let's say you have the email marketing specialist, you have the social media guy, you have the whatever, there are some uh, some other roles which must be covered. So you, the, according to this framework, there are the, the, the Belbin team of uh, participants are uh, nine different roles. So you have the resource uh, investigator, which is uh, finding ideas, right? So he hunts for ideas, he's outgoing, he's enthusiastic, and he's always coming up with ideas. Then you have the, the, the team worker, the, the one which is uh, gluing the team together. You, you know, he's, he's making everyone, okay, let's, let's go through, through, through this direction. Then you have a coordinator in roles. And by the way, every person, so he, a person can hold up to three to four roles out of these nine. But you need, in order to have a, a team which is working, you need all these nine roles. Then you have the coordinator, which is the one focusing on the objectives and draws everyone uh, to, to uh, and he actually delegates and allocates uh, 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 responsibilities. Then you have someone with, uh, as a role to, that uh, is the plant, so the one that is uh, coming up with creativity and solving problems in uh, unconventional ways. So the, the ones which are, uh, are this particular role is also uh, uh, important because he's feeding the team with uh, new ways to, to, to fix problems. Then you have the monitor evaluator, which is providing the logical eye. So he's the one which has the, let's say, the, the, he's the cold-blooded, which is looking at where we are, where we should be, and uh, he has this dispassionate way to, to, to judge what's, uh, what's going on. Then we have a, a specialist, which is coming up with the in-depth knowledge to, to, key, to the key area that the team is uh, handling. Then you have the shaper, the one which is uh, providing the drive, right? So the, the one which uh, keeps the, the team moving and he's, uh, he's building momentum, right? He's, he's making sure that yeah, the team is not losing focus or momentum. And the, the, the last two roles are the implementer. So the one which is uh, carrying out the, 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 the strategy, right? So uh, he, he's making sure that to turn ideas into actions. And last but not the least are, is the completer finisher. So uh, he's, uh, he's looking, uh, he's coming up at the end and uh, he's making sure to polish the, 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 the tasks so that uh, the quality is there and the job is done. Myself, for instance, I'm not that person. You know, I'm not covering the completer, finisher. I'm not the monitor evaluator. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not the coordinator. You know, so I, I can't hold these nine roles. And you, you have to understand that nobody can hold all of them to be perfectly uh, fit for all of them, and uh, you, according to this, uh, the, this, let's say, point of view to Belbin's team of participants, yeah, you have to to cover all of them in order to be to be productive. And uh, one uh, one way to do it is to to validate, to look on your own team, on your own company as well, because this is applying to any business unit, but to the whole company as well. Look who's the team worker, who's the coordinator, and if you are missing out a participant, you need to, to cover that, so despite the, the roles in themselves, because otherwise uh, the creative ones are, are, they feel better with the other creative ones, but if you want to destroy a team, 
make sure that they have only creative people and nobody is actually finishing the job, focusing on the tasks and, uh, uh, and so on. So one way to judge if you have the right team is with this uh, uh, pair of uh, uh, lenses with uh, Belbin's uh, methodology. Fantastic. Well, I find that most people, when they're starting out, they, like you said, they, they're really passionate about one thing. Like one friend of mine sells wedding products. And he's so into the experience and the content and the artistry around that, that when it comes to the administration, when it comes to finance, when it comes to operations, those are all separate things. So he grew his business to that initial million dollar stage by hiring several other people that were just like him. But it wasn't until he hired an integrator and then hired an engineer that those other things that were outside of his area, he was able to delegate out. That's absolutely the case. And I, I had dinner a few nights ago with the CTO of Rocket. You know, Rocket's the German company that basically copies everyone else's business yeah. model, right? Huge, multi-billion dollars. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. Here's the guy who has to do the engineering across every one of those companies that they own. And the guy's an amazing integrator. He's an amazing engineer, right? But he's not going to be, I was about to say he's not intelligent, but he's, he's not like the creative person, right? So it's, you, you can't be an artist and also be a really good, you know, accountant. I mean, that's the kind of person. Accountant, yeah. Jail, right? Yeah. <laughs> or someone who's a really good engineer, but has like the, the certain product taste and the creative and the soft skills. I know I'm stereotyping, but it absolutely is the case. It's like left brain, right brain. You know, as Valentin was saying, where you have these nine different roles, and each of us are going to lean towards one area or the other. So it's interesting you have to hire the exact opposite of what you are, so that way you can cover everything in the organization. Yeah, and uh, think of if you think of it, uh, Dennis, it's 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 so uh, it's so amazing that you are, uh, let's say, so stubborn. To, to, to believe that at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, I thought that, yeah, I can do it, do, do it all. And then I, I hired people, and then I always compared them with me. And I, I, I was so, because I was young and stupid, of course, uh, I, I, I always compared them with me, and I, I, I haven't empowered them to finish their job. I haven't documented what, what should be repeated, because a business is a repeatable system right you need to systemize things and you need to find out the right people to repeat the things that are working so uh, unless you have a minimum repeatable re repeatable system you don't have a business so and uh, uh, and another aspect here is that you have to know your strengths as an entrepreneur as an e-commerce manager whatever you are you have to know your strengths because if you don't know your strengths you will end up being unhappy unproductive and living a miserable life going towards your vision. And I think uh, also about this vision thing, we, we are all being fooled into these uh, mechanisms of, uh, I don't know, uh, 20 years plan, 10 years vision, whatever. First of all, you need to, you need to make sure that you have a, a business which is working, right? You need to make money so that you can survive and you need to feed your family because otherwise you'll be the delusional uh, entrepreneur chasing for big dreams, but without having the, the, uh, the, the, the ground, you know, the fundamental ground so that you can build on, uh, on those, uh, those aspects. And once you have that, of course, it's all about having a fantastic vision, but we, as you, you see, we are leaning as a, as a species, you know, as a, in the economy. Uh, vision is everything, and no, no, it's execution. Without execution, uh, uh, screw vision. And but I think, of course, you need both of them. And uh, uh, in order to 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 build the orchard that you need, uh, you 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 have to look at where you are at this moment, and you need to look at yourself because if you're a manager out there and you're struggling to to make it happen, most probably you have. Uh, uh, a people problem or a process problem, right? So they, it, it, it should be one of those. So you either don't have the system in place, you either don't have the right people on the right seats 
in, in place and, uh, and a fantastic uh, framework on, uh, on realizing what kind of seats do you need to be covered and what kind of people you, you, you need to fill in uh, is traction from Gino Wickman. I think it's a fantastic book and I'm, uh, uh, I can't uh, recommend it enough to, to, to companies willing to have a, a systemi systematic approach to, to, to growth. However, how you find the right people now, Dennis? Let's say we decided those are the seats, right? Let's say we are a seven, eight figure e-commerce company. We figured out the participants role. We have, uh, we, we know in theory what's the model. Let's say we envisioned the model. We trained ourselves. We know the, in theory, how we attract the right talent and how we are making sure that we've hired the right people on the right seat. That is the million dollar question. Million dollar I have question. sat down with so <laughs> many entrepreneurs where the biggest pain they deal with is how do I find the right people? Because if you're hiring someone to do SEO, for example, and you don't know how to do SEO, how are you going to really tell if they're any good? Maybe they are good, but you have a bad process so, or you have bad measurements so you can't integrate. So we call this people, process, and platform. Even if you have great people individually, if it's not a process to tie together the workflows and teams, then it doesn't matter. And then platform is automation. Maybe it's their tools or systems to be able to put the people and the prop together. So one thing that we like to look at is people are scaling their teams is never hire a person. Because that can hold you hostage. Then you're dependent upon one person's skill, stuff and tribal knowledge. Only hire people when you have a process or training behind it. So that job role. So we like to hire people into roles. Because a role is an ongoing function. A role has accountability. A role is well defined. A role is something where you can you already know how to hold them accountable because it's an existing model. So if someone's, if you're hiring people for a role, which is not just a job description, behind that has to be training, some kind of qualification, some some way that you can determine whether they're actually competent in that particular area. So the, the, the chicken and the egg is that you have entrepreneurs that are scaling quickly and they need to, they, so they just hire an agency because they don't really know, right? Oh, I don't really know how to build websites, so I'm going to hire an agency. I really need to you know, do this one part of build a particular system. I'm just going to hire an agency or a contractor. The, the thing is when you hire, even if you hire an agency or a contractor that's really skilled, you're hiring someone for a project. Right, a project has a start and end, which is good. It's okay to hire, like you could hire us to come in and set up your analytics and we'll have a defined project, which you know, here's a set of deliverables and here's a certain end date. But most entrepreneurs, they just, they, and most agencies don't know any better. So it just becomes a retainer. So you're paying you're paying money to people on the outside, which are gonna cost more, always cost more to hire externally. But then they're in they're into a, a function. So you always want to keep internal things as a function. You hire externally or have a consultant have that be a project. We like to say that projects cost too much because they're delayed, because it's doing something that you know, building something that wasn't there before, so it's cost. And processes make you money, right? Projects make you money and processes, or I'm sorry, projects cost you money and processes make you money. So always, yeah. and you, you could have projects initially just to get stuff going, right? A lot of companies hire us to get their advertising going, or get the video production going. But I strongly, strongly believe, even if you're under a million dollars, you need to build every, you need to pull everything in house. You can get some help initially. You need to pull everything in house. Which then means when you hire employees, they could be virtual assistants. They could be the full-time staff that you have. They need to fit into existing job roles that have training behind them. Where you, if when you bring in, let's say you have, let's say you have two people in PPC. You know, someone does like Google ads and another one does social media ads, for example then they can replace each other because if any one is gone, you're not, your business isn't dependent upon that one person. So if you yeah. have one person who's in charge of you know, operations and you lose that person, which is usually what happens when you're under a million dollars a year, that could 
kill your business because you're so dependent upon this one person. I would look at every single role you have in the company, every single person you have in the company. And if any one of them, if you were to remove that, it would crush your business. Then you don't have enough process and you don't have enough organizational strength so that it can continue. We, we look at everyone in our company and everyone in everyone else's companies, we look at them and we say, okay, I know you have some star performers or you have some people who are really good. And while they like to do their one thing, maybe they're a lone ranger, make sure that you build processes so that you have at least two people in any particular, you can do any particular role. So if one person goes on vacation, or you have a scale issue where there's more work than that one person can handle, you always have someone else who can do that. And I think that's the biggest challenge I see for entrepreneurs that are above seven figures where it's not completely dependent upon them and they're trying to scale. Is they whatever got them to the point of where they are is not going to get them further because it's too dependent upon them and they're already maxed out trying to do 50 other things at the same time. But the entrepreneurs that can scale up, maybe they implement the traction system, maybe it's EOS, maybe it's one of, maybe it's based on one of the personality things like Myers Briggs or Enneagram or whatnot. Every single person that's gone above a million has implemented some type of system so that they, is, is the owner, founder, cheerleader, visionary, isn't, it's not, the business is not dependent upon them to be there. And then, the measure of this is if you were to leave your business for one month, would it fall apart? Right? Let's say you had to do your parents were sick or you need to go on this vacation in remote, you know, Antarctica for a month. Could your business continue yeah. to survive? I, uh, I personally see this uh, happening on, uh, on at so many entrepreneurs, you know, that they don't have this uh, redundancy and. Uh, Besides that, there are uh, there is this uh, uh, enthusiasm that they have. You know, at least at the beginning, in the first two three years, they are also enthusiastic about it. I can handle that. I will cover that. I will cover that. And in this case, I will cover that. So basically, it's a uh, it's an interesting approach to 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 think ahead, because you at at one end you have this energy. Let's make it. Let's make things happen. And on the other hand, you you are not too cautious about. But you need both courage and caution as well. You you need both of those things. And that's that's why I love this yin yang approach on on, on things. It's not or that or that. It's both of them and integrated across uh, uh, and and let's say in synergy so that you'll you'll be able to make it. Uh, Make it through, no matter what uh, what happens. And now nowadays we are seeing this uh, uh, recession coming. We are seeing a lot of people being laid off. We are seeing the demand dropping. We are seeing these new consumption uh, trends. And uh, uh, in e-commerce, what I think it's uh, crucially important right now to to, to have it's to to come up come out with uh, uh, with an immediate strategy. But also on uh, with a midterm uh, midterm strategy because otherwise you will you will end up restructuring, cutting up the cost, and let's say uh, uh, be, getting behind of the game. And I, I personally see that this is a this is a huge opportunity as many companies will uh, cut the the costs, will uh, get rid of talented people that they should be uh, keeping. Uh, that that's going to be a, a good uh, let's say opportunity to get talented people uh, in, in your uh, in your organization in your team. So basically, it's all all a matter of uh, the opportunity that are, that's uh, out there. And if you don't do this type of rethinking, because the 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 thinking hat is very important right now, you know. We have this, uh, and I'm from Europe. In America, we see this, uh, let's act, let's go out there, let's do things. And then they think, oh, yeah, that, that wasn't working. But the beauty of this, of this approach is that you learn faster because you hit the wall faster. In, in, in the other extreme here in Europe, I see this, let's think, let's think, let's think ahead. And many times you, you, you think so much that you waste the opportunity. And it's, uh, it, it, yeah. it's so funny if you look at these two, two models because it's the middle way, the Buddhist way, you know, the, maybe it's the, the balance between those, uh, those two, which is, uh, which is working. And basically at, in, in this economic uh, uh, environment, 
I think you you have to to think uh, to to think ahead and to have this uh, uh, let's say adaptive models, right? You need more models. You need what if if this then that if this then that and to 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 look at uh, your cash flow, to to look at your bank account, to look at the the, the oxygen levels, you know but also seek for opportunity because the opportunity is there and we are seeing a lot of uh, we will see more and more companies uh, 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 being uh, getting bankrupt and uh, be, getting being uh, left behind and that means that the demand that they were covering can be yours to 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 take if you uh, move well yeah yeah the storm is coming the storm is coming in the last 10 years, the last 10 years it's been very easy been very to make a lot of money in e-commerce the traffic has been cheap we've had a lot of data there's a lot of these different tools there's not as much competition in the particular niches but we know that things are not always easy you know every few years there's going to be a shift where you know the economy takes cyclical and i think it's going to happen in the next year i think that there's going to be either a war or a major depression or some kind of economic shock we don't know what's going to cause it otherwise you know wall street and everyone else know but i think for sure and i talked to my friends who are many 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 levels of success beyond me and they think something bad is going to happen in the next year and that means that because when it's easy and the sun is out and anyone who can open their mouth is making money and anyone who can breathe is making money you can't assume that's going to continue so what that means is implement lifetime value so that you know exactly where your revenue is coming from you know exactly how you can scale up and scale down so for example if all of a sudden you had a rich uncle who said hey I can give I can double your budget. I can give you twice as much money. And you know exactly where to put that money and you have an estimate of exactly how your business would perform. You don't have that, then you don't have enough systems and processes and analytics. What we were talking about before where you're the solo entrepreneur initially selling your stuff, then he started to hire up a team that you're able to manage directly up until you have a few managers with other people. Once you get above 15 or so people, when you can't watch every single person to keep them accountable or every single consultant or everyone there, you end up having the cynicism of that person isn't working hard enough. I don't know if that person is really competent. You start to doubt. I wonder if that person is really creating value or if they're just charging me a lot of money. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe, you know, they say they're working hard, but how do I really know? And I can't watch everybody. The Eye of Zoran is, you know, only watching one thing at a time. You know, the Lord of the Rings, the Eye of Zoran is like watching. Right? <laughs> when people know the Eye of Zoran is on an epithet hate, right? But when the eye's not watching, when the cat's not watching, the mice will play. So to get past that, you have to build these PNL managers. So if you're the owner and the buck stops with you and you're looking at revenue and and cost to look at what the overall profit or the margin is that you're generating in e-com that's very easy to tell because you have the data to determine that do you have other people who have PL accountability and remember we we're talking about before about moving from a cost basis silo basis where you have people who are functionally driven so seo and ppc and content and operations customer care whatever those are just cost 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 right but if you want to shift to a customer-centric model or product model where you have, like, this is our product for people who are fitness moms and they're very busy. This is our product for students. This is our product for people that are athletes. This is our product for people, you know, where you really focus on yeah. those customers. Then that forces, if you've implemented a customer-centric company and you have these different customer segments, then the leader of those segments has to have P&L accountability. That means you're, everything has to be organized around the revenue and the cost to support that one particular customer group, which shared, there's shared costs for IP. There's some shared cost for like finance or whatever, but you can still look at the direct profitability. And I think that before the storm happens, all of us, whether we're less than seven figures or above seven figures, needs to create intrapreneur. Have you heard this, Valentin? Come on, favorite. Yeah, yeah. When you create these yeah. entrepreneurs, then these are people inside your company, but they're basically like, it's like, it's like moving from like you owning a store to you owning a mall, right? I would much rather own the mall because then I'm more like a landlord and I'm supervising across multiple stores that are in my mall instead of me being the store owner and me being the store clerk, you're talking to each customer that comes into my particular store or manufacturing the product 
I like to view us as when you move up that you own the mall, even though it's one company, but you own the mall and you have people that are in charge of each of these particular areas. But then each of these particular areas, you need to make sure that you have competency because then that person who owns that store in the mall has to know about all the different siloed functions, the, the cost centers, in order to be able to look at the revenue and look at it, like basically manage that as like getting people who can manage your store or manage that customer segment is so hard because it means you have to step away from the PL. That means you have to be willing to delegate to people that you trust who are actually competent enough to not just have that micro, that business within your business be able to tank, be able to think strategically, right? So that the strategic burden yeah. isn't completely on you. But I think that when the economy takes a shit, which a lot of us are going to happen in the next year, you better get those managers and leaders in place. And I don't mean a manager isn't like a project manager or a manager isn't someone who's like the boss trying to discipline people and watch. I mean a manager as someone who is looking out for the company as like an owner who can look at the PL. Yeah. Unless you're, you, you, it's like Warren Buffett's model, right? I mean, you don't have to have multi billion dollar companies. You can do this. It's like basically, once you hit about a million dollars a year, you can start to implement this kind of model. You have a couple people, or maybe even three people, and each of them has their PL. And so you're basically supervising among these business leaders, but you're not having to be as involved in every single refund and every single customer, every or the design on the box or what's in the insert or what's in the email copy. Or like, you don't have to do that because those business leaders know and they're in tune with that customer so much, that customer segment so much that you can't try to be the expert in every single customer segment. They're able to handle it for you unless you're able to own the business more like a shareholder, like a major shareholder than being like a worker in the factory. Yeah. I, uh, I think we, could, we can spend way more time on, this, uh, on these topics, uh, Dennis, but uh, we need to, to, to wrap it up. The, um, I, will, uh, I will just add this uh, uh, one more thing. It was like, I don't know if you know this uh, old... Whole series Colombo. It was that uh, that uh, private investigator, and he he always catched the the bad guys when he was about to leave. He said one more thing. So I'll I'll add one more thing, which is uh, uh, which is about carving out time to think without doing. You know, working on the business, not in the business, because during these uh, next uh, chapters of our uh, economic uh, life. We will see some things changing, and I think uh, modeling and uh, planning ahead and doing if this, then that, if this, then that scenarios, and then having the decisiveness to go into those scenarios is the, uh, is the way uh, to, to do it right now in, uh, in e-commerce. So that being said, uh, Dennis, enjoy uh, India and Taj Mahal. I'm not going to say that I envy you. I'm just going to say that I appreciate that you're there, and hopefully I'll uh, I'll get there sometime in the future. And I'll see you in Bucharest soon. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully yes. All right, then uh, thanks everyone for being uh, with us today. We'll see each other uh, in two weeks from now, and uh, that's a wrap. Bye. Bye, bye, guys. Bye, bye, guys.